Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Romans chapter 15, we start reading from verse number 1. Then we who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak, and not to fa- and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as, is writ- as it is written, the reproach of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatsoever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Jesus Christ, that you may have one mind and one mouth glorified God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has come, has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promise made to the fathers. And the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this reason I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, O rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, Lord him, all all you people. And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse. And he shall rise up to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and the peace in in believing that ye may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his words in Jesus' name. We'll notice one thing in this verse of the scripture that we're seeing right now. What you will notice is that Paul the Apostle is continuing the same theme. That is started in chapter 14. Okay. It's, talk, it's basically talking about the same thing that he talked about in chapter 14. He's talking about living in peace with one another. He's talking about tolerating one another as a body of Christ. He's talking, he's reemphasizing that we should deal with each other on the basis of their spiritual state. In other words, recognize the spiritual state of your brother. Recognize the state where they are, the level where they are, and relate with them accordingly. Okay. And so in verse number 1 of uh, of Romans chapter 15, Paul said, Where we who are strong ought to bear with the oil, bear with the scruples. When he talk about scruples, he's talking about the feeling of doubt, the feeling of hesitation that we have concerning an issue. He said, we ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. In other words, Paul is saying, you who are spiritually strong, you need to at least cut some slacks to those who are not spiritually strong. In other words, you have been able to attain a particular height in your walk with the Almighty God. It took you a while to get there. It took some experience to get there. He said, be very careful how you deal with the ones who are not yet there. Don't look down on them. Don't treat them as if they are people who are who have not been accepted by God, but look at them, walk with them with patience. He said, your maturity in the things of God is not just for your own benefit. Your maturity is to be able to help build others who are not there yet. People who are still growing, people who are still struggling with certain issues in their life, he said, make sure you at least be patient with them. 
Because you are not, you know, your, your growth and your maturity and your experience is not only for your own benefit. And why is Paul talking about this? Why is Paul talking about this particular issue? Saying that we should go easy. Paul is saying that if you look at verse number two. Verse number two, he said, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. In other words, Paul is saying, as mature believer, your tolerance of young and immature believer, your tolerance of people who are still struggling with certain issues of faith in their life, help you to be able to encourage them to walk with the Lord. It helps them to build their faith. It helps them, it nurtures them in their walk with the Almighty God. It strengthens and encourages them. It gives them hope that they are, there's no, that they are not hopeless. It gives them the idea that they have to continue to seek the things of God. Paul is saying that as mature believer, your maturity is not for the purpose of looking down on another individual. Okay? Paul is basically saying that as part of the mark of a transformed believer, your job is to be able to edify the body of Christ. Edify the believers. Edify the younger ones who are still coming along. Because as a transformed believer, one of the mark of a transformed believer is the mark of edification. You have been given the ministry of education of building others up. Because as long as you are tearing down other people, the work of God will not move forward. But as a caveat, I want to add here, with the fact that the mature believers should go easy on the ones that are still immature, on the ones that are still growing, does not mean that the immature believers now take control of the church. That they want to have their way all the time. Yes, God said that you should be mindful of me. You should walk easy with me. That means I can live anyhow. That means I can continue to involve myself in some indulgence because you are supposed to take, you know, you are supposed to go easy on me. That's not what Paul is saying. Okay. Paul is basically, he's he's not talking about an individual or a group of people controlling other people in church. What Paul is saying is the concern for one another. As you walk with the Almighty God, Paul is saying, make sure you are concerned for the other person. Because you are supposed to build each other up. You are supposed to try, you are supposed to be on this journey together. And as you travel together, you are able to impact the community where you find yourself. When you show love to the weak ones amongst you, it makes it very easy for you to be able to minister grace to the community where you find yourself. But when you are kicking and knocking down the people that are supposed to be the body of Christ, how would the people who are outside look at the church and say, look at these guys who are killing each other. Why should I be a part of them? So basically that's what Paul is saying. He's not talking about a group of people using their the, the, the teaching of scripture to manipulate other people. No, he's talking about the concern for one another. Make sure that whatever you are doing, you are looking out for your brother. You are looking out for your sister. You are looking out for the ones that are not yet experienced the grace that you now possess. That's basically what it's saying. And in verse 3, Paul now talks about the fact that what I am teaching you now is not something that I came up with. It's not something that I conjured. It's not something of my own imagination. Look at verse number 3. The Bible says, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproach of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatsoever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. In other words, Paul is saying, whatever I'm telling you right now is not something I made up. We have an example in scripture. And that example that we have in scripture is actually, is actually demonstrated and modeled by our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ himself said, hey, I, you know, I, Christ, even Christ did not please himself. But as was written, he said, the reproach of those who reproach you fell on me. In other words, I'm willing to be able to take some of the cheat that you guys who are still young, who are still inexperienced, I'm willing to take it. That's basically what Paul is saying, that this teaching has a foundation in the word of God. And because it has a foundation in the word of God, the intention is to teach you 
so that you can know that what you are learning right now has some scriptural backing. In verse number five, Paul now prayed for the church. Pray for the church in verse 5. He said, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul is saying, Paul recognizes that there's a challenge when it comes to tolerating one another. I don't know about you, but there are some people that are very difficult to tolerate. Very difficult to be able to live with. Because of the love of God, that's the only reason. And we know how to play it up in church. You and I know that. All you have to do is just say, God bless you, God bless you. But you just say, this person can just get away from me right now. I'll be happier. You know, we know how this kind of things work. That is the idea. Paul understands the challenge that the church, that, you know, the challenge of tolerance in the church. Paul understood that there are various perspectives in the church. He knows that there are strong divisions among individuals when they have a strong opinion about a particular issue. And he's not under any illusion that the church will continue, will always be in unity. He's not under any kind of illusion. And that is why Paul did not deceive himself to try to preach a message of tolerance unto them. He has already told them, bear with one another. So what Paul now did was to commit them to the hands of the Almighty God in prayer. Okay? He understood that prayer is the only way that can move the church to the place where they become tolerant. And when he prayed, so he prayed for the church, he said that they might have one mind towards one another. In other words, that the Holy Spirit will do a work in your heart to be able to cause you to tolerate your brother, to tolerate your sister. Because if you try to do it in your own ability, you are going to fail. He understands that. He knows that flesh and bone, flesh and bone alone cannot serve the Almighty God. You need the Spirit of God to be able to do it. And that's why he prayed for them. That you might love one another despite your differences. That you might love one another despite the different or difference of opinion. That you might respect one another despite the fact that you disagree with your brother. Because many of us right now, if we are to take an issue right now, I'm sure as many of us who are in the room will have different opinions. But the fact that we have different opinions does not mean that we are still not united in the things of God. And the reason is that the only way, if we, if we, if we, if we respect each other, if we have that tolerance, Paul is saying that that is the only way we can continue to glorify God. Because as long as the church tears itself apart, the name of Christ is not glorified in the community. As long as we fight each other, we're not going to be able to move forward. That doesn't mean we don't have disagreement. That doesn't mean we ignore differences. It only means that we respect each other's opinion and move forward. And by the time you get to verse number 7, Paul now therefore says, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ have received us. In other words, I know that my brother is weak. I know he has a particular challenge here. But I receive him, not because I think that he's perfect. I receive him because God has already received him. I receive him because God is willing to walk with him. I receive him because I also have my own challenges and God received me also. I have my own problems and God has not dealt with me on the basis of my iniquities. He has received me for who I am. Paul is pointing to the fact that yet you need to understand that yes, you have matured, but you are not there yet. You might be at a particular level that your brother might be lower than you, but you are not there yet. So you must also recognize that because God is accepting you where you are, you also show a little bit of grace because we are talking about the gospel of grace. And then in verse number 8, Paul now began to talk about the very reason here is revisiting the reason why he wrote the epistle in the first place. If you read the book of Romans chapter 1, he's talking about the fact that there was a division in the church at Rome at that time. 
And, it's that, and, it, and in this chapter 15, he's kind of revisiting that issue. And so if you read verse number 8, he said, Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promise made to the Father. And the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this, for this reason, I will confess your name among the Gentiles and on and on and on. And Paul, and Paul now uses different scriptures to be able to tell, to be able to tie the fact that there is a need for unity among the Gentiles and the Jewish Christians in the Roman church. And finally, Paul now, you know, ended the session by praying again for the church. He said, now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace, believing in believing that you may abound in hope for the power of the Holy Ghost. In other words, there is a promise that comes with the word of God. There's a promise that, promise that comes with the church. He said, when you, as long as you continue to believe, as long as you continue to hope, that is endless expectation. These promises will be fulfilled in your life. That is a general overview of the first 13 verses of Romans chapter 15. The areas that I wanted to focus on in this world is called the Christian tolerance. Look at Romans chapter 5, 15, verse number 1. The Bible says, We then, who are strong, ought to bear with the scruples of the weak, and not to please ourselves. In other words, tolerate one another. Okay? Now, I want you to understand that Paul the Apostle is talking about tolerance within the church, yes. not tolerance between the church and the people who are outside. That's a different story altogether. Yes. Okay? But he's talking right now about the tolerance within the church. And he's trying to make us to understand that as, bo- as the body of Christ, the need for us to be able to understand some basic things. And that basic thing is that we must be able to at least live with one another in unity. And the subject of that tolerance is the fact that Paul is saying that everything a fellow believer is doing does not have to be acceptable for him for you to continue to work with that person. He's saying that you are not going to agree with everybody. For those of us who are married, you know that. As much as possible, you fell in love with your wife, you are working with your wife, you are doing everything. You guys are madly in love, you are building a family together. does not mean that you agree together on everything. If two people walk together and they agree on everything, two possibilities, one of them is a moron, the other one is a liar. Because it's not possible for two of you to walk together and not disagree. It's not possible. One of you don't know what's going on, or the other person knows what's going on, but you will never tell the truth. That's why the two of you will never disagree. You always argue about something. You will see things differently. But Paul is saying that the fact that there are disagreements exists, the fact that you disagree with each other does not mean that you cannot still remain in love. Many of us who are married and those of us who have close friends, you disagree with each other, but yet we still have relationship. We still continue to build the family. You don't disagree over dinner and then say, that's the end of this marriage. We are calling it quit. You don't do that. You are going to live to argue another day or fight another day. So Paul is saying that as fellow believers, you are supposed to be able to live with one another, even with our differences. Paul is not talking about open-ended acceptance of all ideas. That's not what he's saying. Paul is not saying that the father we disagree, we should just accept all that. No, no, no. See, there are some things we should disagree on. There are some things we should agree to disagree. And there are some things that you can never reconcile. There are some essential things that you can never, ever compromise. There are some things that you can live with. I'll give you an example of this building. In this building, we can never compromise the foundation of this house. If we compromise the foundation of this house, we have no building. But we can compromise on the colors. How with the dimensions of the room, how big the room will look, how big whatever it is, the, 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 the making of the floor, are we using carpet or hardwood or laminate or whatever, we can compromise on those ones. But on the foundation of this building, if you compromise, you have no building. 
And Paul is saying that you should accept your brother on the basis of the non-essentials. Okay? If you open your Bible back to the book of Romans chapter 14, you will see Paul talk about it there. Romans chapter 14 verse number 1. He said, receive who is weak in faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. Okay? In other words, don't argue over non-essential issues. The fact that you are supposed to be tolerant of your brother does not mean that when your brother says that Jesus Christ is not the only way, you say, yes, because I want to maintain unity of faith, and it's okay. That is not okay. Because that is the foundation of our faith. Jesus alone, we are saved by faith. We are saved by grace. You know, all this, there are some foundations in the scriptures that you cannot argue with, that you cannot compromise, that you cannot say yes, because I want unity, I will accept it. Once you do that, you have no more faith. Once we do that, we have no more foundation. And that's why the Bible tells us, Paul the Apostle himself said in the book of Galatians chapter 1, if you read from verse number 6, he said, I marvel that some are soon moved from him who called you into the grace of our Lord, into, into the grace of Christ, unto another gospel. In other words, you are beginning to shift the foundation. You are beginning to change the fundamental. You see, I'm surprised that some of you are doing that. Now look at what he said in verse number 7 of that Galatians chapter 1. He said, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach another gospel unto you than that which was preached unto you, let him be accursed. He's saying there is no compromise on certain basic things. When it comes to the foundation of your faith, when it comes to the fundamentals of your faith, when it comes to what actually brought you salvation and is taking and the hope of your calling, there's no compromise in there. There's only one way between man will be saved. And that is through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no compromise on that one. No matter how inclusive the world religion might want to be, no matter how tolerant we might want to be, you cannot be tolerant on that basis. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying in terms of daily relationship, in terms of caring for one another, be willing to give and take. But in terms of the foundation and the fundamentals of your faith, you cannot argue. And the reason is because when you compromise on your foundation, you have nothing to stand on. When you compromise on the foundation of your faith, you have no more saving faith. When you compromise on the foundation of your faith, we, you know, we, 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 you have nothing to believe in. You start believing a lie when you compromise on the standard. When you compromise on the standard of your faith, the power of that particular faith is no longer in existence. Because what saves us is the foundation of the word of God. And when you compromise on that foundation, you have people who believe a gospel that is taking them nowhere. And for some of us who are close to me, you hear me say this thing that, a faith that does not take away sin from your life is not taking you anywhere. And that is what happens when we compromise our faith. When we compromise our faith, there is no hope for eternity. That is why Paul, that's why I'm making the distinction. There is one thing for you to compromise about. There are some things you must never compromise. And Paul is talking about the essentials and the non-essential. Number two, he's talking about the reason for that tolerance. What is the reason for that tolerance? The reason for that tolerance is so that you can build up your fellow, your fellow believer. And it's talking about tolerance of non-essentials, not the tolerance of essentials. Okay? For the non-essential, you the reason why you tolerate your brother, the reason why you tolerate their, their weaknesses in certain areas is so that you can give them an opportunity to learn, to be able to grow, to be able to nurture them, to be able to show them how things are done, to be able to show them that yet Jesus Christ is able to extend grace. That grace is not only for their salvation, but grace is also for their work with the Almighty God. That's why you are showing them that particular tolerance. That's why you are telling them. But Paul recognizes that there is challenges to tolerance. And the challenges come because of human nature. We are different. I tell people, no matter how holy I am, no matter how holy a person is, if you cut him, blood will come out. 
If you give him enough opportunity, he will do the things that will always be of self-interest. So because of our nature, tolerance is very difficult. Not only that, because of because of our experiences, because of our background, where we come from, and because of the level of our maturity in the things of God and the experience of the exposure to the things of God, our level of tolerance are different. And that's why some people that can pray for, you know, they can pray for their, for, for, for their enemies, while others will find it very difficult to pray. I've joked about it here several times. When Jesus Christ said, when they slap you on the right, turn the other one. I say, I make sure I don't give you the opportunity to slap me in the first place so that I don't disobey that particular command. Okay? I make sure I don't give you the opportunity to slap me because I'm going to find it very difficult to turn the other one. That means my grace is not there yet. Okay? So the level of grace is different. So people, tolerance is difficult because of the level of spiritual maturity. Some people are more matured and they are able to handle it. Others are not that matured. Okay? But Paul recognizes that particular challenge. And Paul knew that tolerance does not come by decree. Okay? Tolerance does not come by decree. You must love this person. That's the law of the land. It doesn't work that way. There's a group of people in the neck of the world where I come from. When they greet you, we have a way of greeting by prostrating. They might prostrate, but if they don't like you, inside their heart, they are standing still. That means they have no respect for you, but they can prostrate. You can legislate tolerance, but that doesn't mean people become tolerant. So Paul understood that tolerance does not come by social decree. Tolerance by that does not come by social pressure. Tolerance does not come by legislation. Tolerance comes by knowing and understanding the differences between people and accepting that difference. Tolerance understand by no by acknowledging that this is different. Tolerance comes by allowing people to be different. Tolerance comes by respecting their differences. Tolerance comes by focusing on what unites us. That's how tolerance comes. When you understand the difference, you understand that this individual is different from me. This is their tendencies. This is what they like. This is what they prefer to do. And you respect it. It's possible for the two of you to work together. But when you ignore, as our society is beginning to teach us, that everybody is the same, I mean, it is, it is not only stupid, it is moronic for you to look at two different, two things that even answer different names and tell them, and tell us that they are the same. You want us to suspend our rationality to believe the foolishness, but that's a story for another day. The issue here is that tolerance happens when you are, when you understand the difference and you appreciate and you respect your brother because of the concern and the welfare you have for him. And once you must understand that when we tolerate each other, there is a blessing that is always associated with it. There's a blessing of unity and edification. Because when I understand that you are different, I'm able to understand that and then we're able to build upon each other. When, you know, when we understand that, when, you, when there's true tolerance, there is peace and understanding, there is respect and appreciation, there is effective weakness of the Lord Jesus Christ in our community. Many of us will never have the opportunity to come together except for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that brought us together. You understand? And that is what happened. It doesn't mean that we are the same. We are different. Our lives are different. Our tendencies are different. The point we are making is that the fact that those things exist does not mean that we are not united by the love of God. That's what the Bible is saying. You must understand what unites us. And that what unites us is the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us for the remission of our sins. That's what unites us. And you must focus on that. The fact that we are different does not mean that that unity is not in there. And the Bible is teaching that when we recognize what unites us, and we focus on what unites us, and we understand and respect the differences that exist between us, when we go out into the community to minister the word of God, we have greater impacts.
But when we begin to tear ourselves apart because of this, a white man say, I cannot fellowship with a black man. A black man cannot fellowship with a white man. You now find that you are now highlighting the difference and minimizing that particular uniting force, which is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that brought us together. And that is what Paul is saying here. Unity exalts the name of our Lord Jesus Christ within the community. Okay? But when we try to enforce our own version of tolerance within the church, what you will find happening is that there will be oppression and suppression of open conversation. Because I'm telling you that I don't like what you are doing and you are telling me that because I'm immature, that's why I'm not, that's why I'm not accepting it. it ha- sometimes it has nothing to do with maturity, it has something to do with your preference. I don't like it, I don't like it. It's as simple as that. That doesn't make me a wicked person. That doesn't make me that I don't like you. It simply means I don't like what you're saying. So, but when we try to enforce our own version of tolerance, oppression and suppression happens. When we enforce our own version of tolerance, we force people into conformity. Because you make them to do the things that they don't want to do. Just because they don't want to steer the boat or rock the boat, they agree and they go along. When we enforce our own version of tolerance, silence of honest conversation begins to take place. Because nobody wants to talk to you anymore. I don't want to go into that kind of argument. So what happens? Yeah, I agree with you. You're fine. Everything is fine. Okay? Because I don't want to disagree with you. I don't want to be labeled as a wicked person. What happened? I accept whatever crap you are spewing out of your mouth because I don't want to fight you. So what will happen? Honest conversation becomes silent. Not only that, when we enforce our own version of tolerance, we begin to criminalize the opposition and dissension. And that is what is happening in our community today, in our society today. You make a statement that does not go with the social norm. What happened? They criminalize you. And they begin to appear, they begin to vilify you and give you a name so that you are no longer, you know, it's not just vilifying you. They want to take off, take away the, your means of livelihood just because you happen to disagree with a particular point of view. The point you are making is that when you enforce your own kind of tolerance in the house of God, you will create a cult, no longer the body of Christ. A place where people can no longer argue. A place where people can no longer express their true faith and their true opinion or how they see the things of God. Even God himself allows you to disagree with him. He said, come, let us reason together. That means if you don't see it my way, I can, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. If the creator of the universe can have a conversation with you, who are you, who am I? To insist that my way must be the highway. So when we refuse, okay, when we enforce our own version of tolerance, what you have is that you create an environment of fear where nobody is able to talk to each other. Look at the, the amount of communication gadgets that we have right now. You feel people are more isolated now. People are more, dis- people are more disconnected right now. People are no longer talking to each other. Right? Why? Because you want, we have established a, a forced tolerance that is disconnecting people and not just outside the church, even within the church. Where when you preach the word of God, according to the word of, according to the scriptures, you will find out that you are now in the endangered species list because you are no longer, people no longer believe that because they want to see it in a certain way. When we create our own version of tolerance, we no longer have a church where the grace of God abound. We have a cult where fear abound and that will not be our portion in Jesus. The, the church cannot glorify God in an environment where tolerance is forced. The church cannot be effective. The church cannot minister to the world in an environment where tolerance is forced. The question is, why is it important to you? Why is it important to me, this subject of tolerance? Why is it important? It is important because we live in an age where tolerance has been misunderstood. 
People believe that when I agree with you, that's when I'm tolerant. Gone are the days where people have very robust arguments, disagree with each other, and they tap themselves at the back and move on. Life goes on. Where I can disagree with your point of view and tell you that you are wrong and still be a very good friend of yours. Gone are those days. Now, if you make such, if you disagree with somebody, you are no longer, even within the church. We can have opinions about the word of God. We can disagree. As long as we are agreed on the fundamentals, the non-essential we can argue about, but no longer, that's no longer the case. That is why you must understand what the word of God says and know where you stand on an issue. Tolerance, it is important for you because tolerance is tolerating one another edifies the body of Christ. If our desire is to grow the body of Christ, if our desire is to minister to people outside, we must be willing to tolerate the little, little things that our brothers and sisters do to each other. Why is it important to us? It's important because when we tolerate each other the way we are supposed to, it reduces the offenses that you gather in church. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.